All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Christy Knischel, co-host of the LLC podcast. It's an honor to introduce listeners to inspiring people who are making a real difference in logistics and supply chain. With the LLC podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges our guests have overcome, how their backgrounds help to shape who they are today, and how they empower others, give back to their communities, and often the world. So today, I'm very excited because I have a very special guest host, Casey Coffey, Kinesha Logistics' very own LTL manager, and she's also my youngest sister. So I'm excited to do this podcast with her and our special guest today to talk about LTL. So today, I am thrilled to introduce Curtis Garrett, a remarkable individual who holds multiple prestigious positions in the transportation and logistics industry. Currently serving as a senior vice president of LTL division at Freight Plus, Curtis is also the founder and chief creative of Understand LTL, as well as an advisor of Claim Unity. Curtis has an impressive professional background, which began with his mar- remarkable eight-year tenure at Old Dominion, where he excelled as a skilled CDL driver, pricing inspector, and analyst. His expertise then led him to become an esteemed advisor of transportation and logistics at Betabox for approximately one year. Following this, Curtis served as a VP of LTL services at Synchrogistics for two years before embarking on a successful journey at Reconix. Starting as a director of LTL pricing and carrier relations at Reconix, Curtis quickly climbed the ranks to become the VP of pricing and carrier relations and eventually assumed the role of chief strategy officer. His dedication and expertise were evident during his four-year tenure at Reconix, where he made significant contributions to the company's success. So thank you for being here, Curtis. And as you call yourself, LTL user X, thinking about the world through the eyes of LTL. So how yeah. are you doing? That was, you brought up some things I didn't remember. That was a type of a background. <laughs> it is. Impressive. Isn't it nice to hear? <laughs> yeah. Great to be here. The, the one uh, point I'd contest, I don't know how skilled of a CDL driver I was. If, if you take, actually on day one, I almost set a trailer on fire. <laughs> That's pretty um, impressive. <laughs> but if you take that out, then I guess my average after that was okay. But well, good was, to know. Yeah. Well, speaking of your extensive background within logistics and probably mainly or a good bit of LTL, and now as a senior VP at Freight Plus and founder of Understand LTL, can you share with everyone a little bit more about where you grew up, your education, and how did you get into this LTL supply chain craziness? Yeah, I will. Um, and first of all, I, I like kind of the the feel and theme of this, you know, podcast and discussion where it's not just the hard technical supply chain facts. It's, you know, some some personal and soft, soft stuff as well. So that's that's great because it's all part of the story. Right. It um, is. It kind of lets you know, like who, you know, people know who you really are. So right. let's get into yep. it. Yeah. So um I guess I probably have a pretty untraditional path to the U.S. LTL uh, market, um, having grown up in Western Canada and didn't have a single family member or I think I had one friend's dad who was in trucking. But other than that, had no background, no you know connection at all to the industry. And so um, long story short, I ended up moving to Columbus, Ohio by way of Eastern Africa, where I met my wife, who grew up in Columbus. And we met over there in 2004. And then just, you know, just very randomly. And then um, I moved down to Ohio, she was going to Ohio State at the time, and kind of started our life there. 
um, and got married in our early 20s. So I uh, started doing, I was kind of looking at the Ohio State route as well. As far as school, I started with uh, like a local college there, Columbus State Community College, um, who oddly enough, I just ran into somebody, or I just met somebody recently who also went to that same community college during those same years. So kind of a small world moment, but um, started there just with kind of a, you know, general business uh, target. And I, I was the person that had so many interests. I've always been like a generalist and been pretty good at, at a bunch of things. There was never a clear path. Like I was never just a math genius or, or, you know, English or writing genius. I just was okay at a bunch of stuff. And so, you know, that coupled with my broad interests from traveling in different cultures to, you know, the economy and business and um, just such a broad thing. I played sports growing up. I was a bookworm. I, you know, played a little music here and there, a couple different instruments. So it really, it really got hard to narrow things down. And I was just flip-flopping, you know, from major uh, college major, you know, decisions like every other week it felt like. So I basically was just, you know, dr- uh, yeah, grinding away at that at the school um, and, and kind of like building our family at the same time. I eventually switched over to um, a virtual like remote program through Northern Arizona University. Um, and it was, this was, oh, a decade or more back. So, you know, it was kind of before that really took off and, and was kind of an available path, uh, you know, at almost every school. Um, but meanwhile, I'd started working for Old Dominion Freight Lines in Columbus, Ohio, in their Columbus Terminal in dock operations and kind of doing that in parallel with my, you know, with my schooling. And at some point I was like, okay, if, if I, if I, you know, boil down all the things that I like about the world, my interests, they all kind of like arrive back at the same place, which is, um, somehow quantifying and and accounting for real world, you know, activities in like, I I love numbers, I love math, but only if it was connected to something that I could see or experience. I didn't like all the, you know, theoretical aspects. Um, So that- None of us did, Curtis, none of us did. (laughs) (laughs) Right, oh, that's good to know. Um, So, you know, obviously LTL pricing and costing and yield, and and it's it's all about, you know, extrapolating these numbers on a spreadsheet or, or in software to very physical uh, things, you know, moving in and out of trailers and, and then those physical things, those trucks and trailers moving around the country. And I just, I just absolutely fell in love with, with all the variables and dynamics that went into LTL. And it was to me, like, I felt lucky I stumbled into it because it's kind of, it is very quantitative. It is very complex. It never gets boring. And so it's, I kind of saw it as like, man, this is a, this is a secret, you know, really high, uh, high load mentally or cognitively type industry and field to be in. And there's not a ton of people like, you know, going through college and saying, I want to go into LTL freight. It's, it's more the, the banking and consulting and all that. So really just fell in backwards to the industry, um, stuck with it long enough and tried enough things that, you know, it, it got its hooks in me. And then at some point, maybe four or five years ago, I decided that 
Um, maybe I could change some things. Maybe I could make it better. It wasn't just like, you know, learning the ins and outs of everything. And then I'd made it. It was more, hey, this doesn't have to be like this or just just pushing, pushing against things that were the way they were. And typically, if the answer was just that it is, you know, it's just it's always been this way, then that's a good, good red flag or a good signal. You know, that's maybe something that could be innovated against. So, yeah, just I, I'm now uh, year 16, I guess, into LTL, spent my whole <laughs> whole professional career in the industry and just having a blast and and really happy with you know how things have gone and it's cool to meet and talk with so many different people across the industry. It's been interesting to leverage, you know, social media and, and writing and LinkedIn and, um, and then getting some opportunities to, to speak here and there out in the industry. It's, it just makes it that much better. So having a blast. That's awesome. And what I love about it is that, you know, I think the industry in general, even though my background's not LTL, it's always changing. Like you said, and even the comment you said about that's the way we always did it. I think now it's always like, how can we make it better? How can we change that for the future? And I think that that's always going to be something that we're looking at within this industry um, in every aspect. So, yeah, definitely an interesting career, though, that you have had. And because um, I'm in my 25th year and Casey will let you speak next. And I know you have some questions for Curtis and I'll let you take it off. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that uh, information, Curtis. And we're so excited to have you on this podcast today. Uh, and LTL, as you know, and probably everyone knows the hot topic is YRC and their bankruptcy. So there's a lot of disruption going on in the LTL market right now. Um, and how do you think that this is going to, uh, or what are the biggest impacts, I should say, of this bankruptcy on our market? And when will it normalize? Good question. I I've heard different, you know, terms being thrown around to describe this event. Um, obviously, it's it's what I would call like a, a black swan type event in that it's not, you know, it's not part of your typical market cycle. Every two to three years, you know, a, a large top five carrier doesn't go out of business. So it's definitely hard to plan for. But um I, I would push back on, you know, some folks have said it's like a reset or the great reset to the LTL industry. I don't think it's quite that impactful. It's definitely a large realignment. Um, but I think in the long run, you know, we will all be better for it as an industry, as a market. Um, you know, if you have more shippers and customers out there now dealing with and and you know sending their freight through the networks of carriers that just operate better um are more financially healthy have you know probably newer equipment and more technology involved for the most part uh it's just you know it's gonna kind of raise everybody's level in the industry so um obviously a very you know controversial past with with just so many acquisitions that yellow had made um including yeah, i was just reading about this the other day like not many people talk about but they bought a carrier a trucking company in china like a, a decade or so ago and kind of it seemed we're on like a you know world domination type pathway and then sold that years later and and obviously you know the the yellow roadway merger uh bundling up all the usf carriers holland right away um so yeah it was interesting timeline it'd be it'd be neat to see that you know, say the last 
30 years of, of Yellow's history kind of like plotted out and, and quantified in a timeline and just all the different acquisitions and mergers and, um, you know, levels of profitability, uh, debt taken on. Ultimately, I think they just the way this worked out is there ended up being too many constraints, of course, with the union labor situation. Um, I believe that LTL carriers in 2023 and beyond just have to be so flexible and dynamic and turn on a dime and, and just, you know, be customer centric and do what's best for their customers while also being very protective of their yield. I mean, they're, you know, it is not cheap owning that much equipment, buying and building new terminals, having, you know, labor be such a high percentage of your overall costs with, with folks that are needed to, you know, fill all the seats in the trucks and the forklifts and, um, and staff those terminals. So they're, they're not, uh, they're, they're very, very, you know, asset intensive and capital intensive, obviously. And so they need to be very smart and strategic and, and expand kind of consistently and slow and steady. Um, and just yellow being, you know, that close to the brink of closure and, and just losing that many money in, or that much money in, in, in so many years, just it wasn't sustainable. So. So Rook, I have a question for you. Like, have you heard from other carriers that you've talked to out there now that this has happened? Like, how has this impacted them? Like, are they excited? Are they picking up more business because of it? Is it more challenging? Like, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think it depends who you talk to at those carriers. Uh, you know, maybe the sales reps on the ground are, are pretty excited. And I, I think overall, like the average mood of the other carriers would be like, cautiously optimistic about it. I mean, of course, if they can pick up, you know, new business and, and get some growth where it does make sense for them, both both a geographical and like a, a freight profile perspective, then yeah, they'll take it. Um, I think timing was was definitely, you know, positive in the fact that most carrier, most of the larger carriers that I had uh, been talking with probably had five to 15% available capacity. So if you look at, you know, in in Yellow's last few months where I would say from, shoot, probably May till end of June, there was already business peeling away slower. And then and then pretty much July, you know, that the signs were all there and and folks had enough warning to kind of start the search for other providers at that point. So they Yellow probably had, you know, seven to eight percent maybe of the LTL market. And so I believe, you know, it's hard to know an LTL with with no centralized data, but it does seem like there was enough available capacity um, to, to absorb that freight. What, what I've been saying, though, on like as another layer is it's not just an equation of, OK, this much freight. Do we have this much capacity by way of equipment and drivers and doctors? You know, it's not just a black and white carryover. It's it's all the other things that we're kind of behind on in LTL and that, that are antiquated and, you know, setting up new pricing and, and the admin side and account setup and um, just, just all the other, uh, you know, things that are adjacent to actually moving and hauling the freight. I think that's where we're seeing more chaos and, and just pricing departments at carriers are, are getting behind again, just because there's, you know, all this new business to now look at and quantify. So, that, that to me, again, that's just an opportunity of where we need to get better. Uh, 
LTL carriers themselves are very, you know, very, very good and very effective at picking up, moving and hauling freight. And I think the rest of us can kind of pitch in and like, you know, with the digital connectivity and just the, the friction involved with, with doing business in general, that's where we can see a lot of gains by improving. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I think, you know, I just want to make a statement before Casey has her next question. But I think it's sad that this happened, obviously, to a large carrier like that in our industry. Um, obviously, it creates opportunity for a lot of people. But then you, you also have a lot of people that are out of jobs. And hopefully a lot of those people are finding jobs. I know some of those people are, but maybe not everybody will. So um, I just wanted to to put that out there, you know, to everyone and that we we all appreciate everything that Yellow has done while they have been here and all the people. And obviously, if anyone does need help reaching out to your network and any of us, I'm sure would help try to connect people to try to find jobs. So go ahead, Absolutely. Casey. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, and so I fell into the trap of like uh, the economist, you know, uh, feedback on things. And I've poked fun at Jason Miller for this in the past. Like, you know, what about the people? It's not all just numbers on a chart. So thank you for bringing that up because, yeah, it's it's never, you know, never a good thing when that many people lose work, you know, at, at, that, right. at one point in time. Um, so I've it's been encouraging. I've seen a lot of people that I know they're already find employment and even get, you know, better like promotions and, and better jobs as a result of this. So that's good to see. But yeah, it's it's pretty tough from, you know, the rehoming of of all those people. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you brought up a, a great point, too. I mean, just the people in general. Um, there's always a person behind all of this stuff that happens. So, um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, the people do move forward, hopefully in a better, better way and with some of the promotions or whatnot. So, right. Sure. All right. So you touched a little bit on all of uh, YRC's assets. And we've seen in the news a little bit of a bidding war of SDs and then Old Dominion on the YRC terminals. If a carrier were to purchase the terminals, how do you think that would affect the LTL market um, and that carrier's market share? Yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting to, to stay on top of and kind of watch play out. Um, I think, you know, what we're seeing is with OD and Estes both putting in these stocking horse bids, as they're called, um, it's not necessarily an open auction yet. It's more they're kind of positioning for when, you know, as the bankruptcy uh, progresses and they do start liquidating assets, they're, you know, front of the line to have a shot at those. So both of those carriers are obviously very, you know, very large being uh, Estes is the top or the largest private trucking company in North America. Um, but, but both, you know, pretty profitable too. Um, OD, we all know their operating ratio and yield, um, industry leading Estes, we don't know it's a private company, but you know, the signs say that they're, they're operating pretty well too. So they're both in the position to make this kind of investment. I don't think there's going to be any or much immediate change from this. This is more of like playing the long game. This is going to position them because at the end of the day, you know, Trucks and trailers, yeah, in a supply chain crunch or in certain markets, they're harder to get a hold of quickly. But it's that real estate and those terminals that are truly the finite, you know, part of this equation. So if you even look at now, like I was thinking earlier today, it'd be an, an interesting 
uh, visual to, to plot out all the current LTL carriers and then plot out who owns them versus who's actually using them. Cause that would tell a pretty interesting story. Um, you know, yellow only owned just under half of the, the terminals that they were using. Uh, like at, if you look at their, some of their public sec reporting, um, I looked at something from December, 2022 that said, I think it was 308 terminals and they owned 142 of them and they, they leased like 160 something. So there, that's already cut in half as far as what, what's actually up for sale. Um, but yeah, it's just having that Trump card from, you know, offering short-term or even long-term leases on certain properties, but knowing that as you strategically expand and grow in different regions, you ultimately have that, you know, that fail safe of, of having the, the doctors and the availability. And I think doctors are, we like to talk about drivers and, and <clears throat> equipment on the road, but I think doctors and terminals are the ultimate metric of, you know, LTL carrier productivity and, and just capacity and, and future growth. I would have to agree with that one. Uh, so let's move away from Yellow Talk and focus on LTL technology, which seems to be something that you're really rallying behind and getting behind different new companies within the LTL world. Um, so when it comes to this technology, what do you think is the uh, future of LTL technology and, and how are we going to get there? This, this subject's exciting to me um, because I think it's bigger than just what's happening with LTL technology. It's as technology in general and, you know, the, the way that the Internet and just the democratizing of, of business through digital connections and, and API connections back and forth between products and companies, like it's just flattening and opening all this opportunity um, like 10-ish years ago, you had to go with one of the big TMS providers or a big third party, or really it was just the bigger carriers that had any semblance of technology. And they could, you know, typically they'd go for a broad over a narrow strategy. So they'd be like, yeah, we can do it all, but do they do any single thing really well? I don't know. That's up for debate. Um, but now you're seeing, because there's way less friction in terms of both cost as well as you know, just the connectivity and, and the seamlessness of information going back and forth, you can now have companies that go very, very deep on very narrow specific categories, become the best in that single category and be the standard ultimately. And then, you know, almost everybody should end up using them. So it's, it's what I've heard referred to as like an unbundling of mm -hmm. technology where typically it was all held, you know, by a few key players now it's getting unbundled and, and opened up and it's really exciting to me. I mean, you know, Shiplify I've talked about for a year or two, they're going deep and narrow on locations and defining them in terms of LTL. Uh, Navix now is, is doing the same thing with the audit and pay, you know, portion of LTL, which is, it's been a huge issue for years and there's so much friction there. Um, Companies, you know, just even in, in between those two, obviously Shipify is more on the front end of finding locations. Navix is kind of the, you know, batting cleanup with with sorting through all the issues and discrepancies. But just visibility rating, um, we've kind of painted with a lot of really broad 
brush strokes, I think, in LTL and just kind of put up with, you know, with with the errors and the gaps and, you know, things like you go to a TMS, run a rate or even a carrier's own website, and you're pretty much just going to get a rate spit out based on the zips, the weight and the class. But if that shipment, you know, were to qualify for something in the rules tariff or some other pricing mechanism, you know, in most cases, you're not you're not even going to see that. So there's we're still giving shippers inaccurate quotes in a lot of cases. Um, and, and obviously some of that is driven by, you know, lack of information if they don't offer, offer dimensions or something, but still we got a long way to go there. So I would just say overall, like high level, what's exciting is there's, there's definitely a push right now for just digit, you know, digital connectivity from end to end from EBOLs all the way down to, to invoices. And we're slowly seeing things that used to be handled manually and through emails back and forth, you know, get, get on the roadmap to have APIs and more automated process built around them. And eventually that's going to be with claims with invoice discrepancies. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to make us all better and, and free us up, you know, for, more important things like conversations like this. <laughs> you know, yeah, I would agree. In LTL, my my biggest complaint is that there's so many what ifs, and trying to teach that to a new employee is a struggle sometimes because it could <laughs> be something that happens once every three months, um, or it could be a limited access fee that a lot of customers they don't know that this would be limited access, and sometimes I don't know it's limited access. So yeah having that automation, you know, can help so many different accessorials and the surprise charges at the end of the day that everyone gets a little bit upset for, but yep. sometimes we just don't know. Well, and I was going to say, that's a good point, Casey. Another thing I was thinking about, it'd be great if they make some kind of like where you can take a picture of your freight, right? And it just automatically gives you the dimensions and the weight, just, or some type of technology that does that to at least make that part of it maybe easier. I don't know. Maybe something exists or someone's working on it, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things in the works. I think the biggest like bottleneck for dimensioning technology is it's gotta be, you know, certified and, and standardized and everybody has to be up to the same standards. So. Um, but, but I think you can get, you know, almost all the way there and still get beneficial information by, yeah, like a smartphone app, you know, that has AR augmented reality dimensioning capabilities. Those already exist. Um, and maybe wow. it's not something you wouldn't go to, you know, it's not something you'd go to court and fight a, a charge over, but it would on the front end, it would lead you in the right direction. Right. Um, but yeah, things like that. I mean. There's only there's only one, you know, in, a, in an entire LTL carriers network, there's only one place that all freight travels through. And that's through the door, the back, you know, the semi trailer door of whatever truck is picking it up. But once it's picked up, it doesn't always get unloaded until delivery. Sometimes loads are left on or, or they're head loaded and, you know, not everything is cross stocked. So that's that's really the best opportunity to to catch the, you know, cast the widest net and catch every dimension. But again, it's just uh, logistically speaking on the ground, you know, having something handheld for a driver or mounted on a truck, it gets, 
Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. I don't. Yeah, think. it doesn't sound so simple, I guess. But like, I just know I've had to work with Casey quite a bit the last several months on some of the LTL stuff in regards to some of reclassing or all that. But some of the customers just saying like, well, I don't have a, a measuring tape or this. And like, I don't know what the dimensions are. And then that just causes more problems. So it's like, can we fix this problem somehow? <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's an industry of exceptions. It's like to what you were saying, Casey, with the what ifs, um, you can state a true fact, but then you can have all these like 10 other bullet points of, well, unless that, you know, it yeah. all changes. So, yeah, but we've been dealing this- with um, cubic capacity recently a lot and that trying to figure that out. It's the LTO carriers. I swear they're like, we don't want you to know how to calculate this. <laughs> we're just going to end up charging you twice as much as we quoted you. So, wow. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, that's that's a different one. So there's all all these rules. So I'm reading through rules, tariffs for each carrier and trying to figure it out and see if it needs it for this one, but not that one. So it's very, very wonderful. I mean, speaking of that, Casey, and I don't know if you know where you do, Curtis, but like, is there any technology out there or people thinking about like, I don't know, you putting that in the system and it just popu- populating the rules and stuff? So you, I mean, is this stuff you have to remember? I mean, for the most part, it's one of those things where it's kind of head knowledge of, hey, I think this may be this situation, so let me just double confirm. Um, I'm not aware of any technology, but Curtis might know. Um, no, not that exists today. I mean, it's honestly a little little pet project of mine. Um, I've got that ltltariffs.com website where I just basically link to all the current tariffs, but I did experiment with one carrier so far. I basically ran their tariff, like the whole PDF document, 100 or 200 pages through like the same kind of AI engine that, you know, powers chat GPT. So you can you can interact with it and ask it, you know, what is the the capacity load charge mean or or where's the overlank fee found? And so it'll read the document, find and explain certain things to you. So from there, I think it's only a step or two further to connect it to like a TMS or some sort of rate quoting tool where it's sending, you know, it's hitting with certain messages based on the profile of the shipment. And, and that'd be great to have, you know, dynamic information popping in to the interface to help guide the, the quoter uh, or the user of the product. So with a, with, honestly, with like this conversational AI and how it's really come mainstream and, and come out in the last, you know, year or less, I think we're a lot closer to that because you can kind of just build a layer on top of what, what's already out there. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we all know LTL is very complicated um, and we have many different accessorials and how our freight impacts our class cost and different locations can cause increases. There's always something to learn. And I always tell this to my new employees that still I'm 15 years in here. I learn something new every single day, Um, but we all need to learn. So you've created Understand LTL, and this is to help people understand LTL. How do you think this has impacted uh, your current clients and how can it impact future clients? Yeah, I think it's it's early, you know, in the in the life of Understand LTL as a company and what it can do for the industry. It's been launched for less than a year at this point. Um, 
I'm working on course number two, which is more of a deep dive on pricing and costing. And, you know, we'll, we'll be more specific to people that are dealing with LTL pricing and negotiating rates and that sort of thing. But right now there's kind of a, it's, I hate to call it LTL 101 because like most of those types of courses that I've seen all look the same and they have a bunch of history thrown in that, that, you know, somebody trying to learn just how to quote and ship properly might not necessarily care about. Um, what I did was aim to teach the principles, the first principles of how everything works. Um, so there's, you won't find, you know, specific carrier names or certain things in, in the material that are subject to change and have to be continually updated as, you know, companies go out of business or rebrand or whatever. So the whole point is like, just boil all these concepts down to give people the mental models to be able to look at an LTL situation and have, you know, the ingredients to, to make something and, and figure it out. So it's, it's going well so far. I've had about 50 people go through it. Um, I've had everybody from carriers, 3PL, sh some shippers, uh, some TMS and technology companies. Like it's really kind of touched almost every part of the industry as far as who's interacted with it and gone through it. Got a lot of good feedback. Um, I think I need to add some video. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of reading and, and visuals. Like I, I did try to go heavy on the visuals just because you don't see a lot of that in our industry. It's, you know, it's, it's all about shapes fitting in and out of other shapes, but you look in a rules tariff and there's really no pictures or, or diagrams or anything. So I wish there were though. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely draw my own diagrams to help myself. Right. With my thinking, so, yeah. So it's going well. Um, just, you know, trying to, trying to grow that with, it's kind of a part-time endeavor right now, but just with, with everything I can. Um, and then I'm actually, assembling kind of a live in-person mastermind event uh, that's also being powered by the Understand LTL brand. Um, so that's going to be in November and, and there's information on, on the website, the Understand LTL website for that. But just, I want it to be more than an education brand. It, I want it to be really driving community in the industry and, you know, get a bunch of people around the same table that see different sides of the industry, have different experiences, just learn from each other, uh, get to know each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all have the blocking and tackling and, and kind of the monotonous work we need to do. But I think it's so valuable to, you know, get in front of other people in the industry face to face and, and learn from some of the leaders, you know, so looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's um, extremely important. And uh, I give big kudos to you for stepping out and doing that. Um, like you said, it's like a side project right now. And if you're listening, everybody check out understandltl.com. Is that correct for the website? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I know we're coming towards the end of the show, but I have one last question for you. So I think I'm going to ask, well, how about I ask a question and I'll have Casey ask a question. <laughs> My question would be, what is one piece of advice that you would give any young individual coming into this industry? Um, 
I mean, you have the age old advice of just put your head down, learn, you know, spend the first decade even just just knocking out of the park, you know, learning more, growing your capacity for the industry, for for knowledge and experience. I think that's that's never going to be outdated, you know, as as the Internet progresses and we get more and more technology and automation, it's it's still not going to be completely programmed and, and robotic. So you can, you know, a good example, you can tell the difference between an experienced like LTL carrier customer service rep or somebody that's just like maybe outsourced labor or new, like the, the level and the depth of responses you get back uh, to help solve your problem are, are night and day. So definitely, you know, dig in and, and learn as much as you can find, find the right people to learn from, get mentors. Um, but then also, you know, don't, don't delay on thinking that you can also make a difference and, and start looking at, you know, what, what can be changed, what can be improved, um, you know, at, be skeptical, ask questions. And we're only where we are now because people have done that in the past. So everybody, you know, that interacts with the industry or is in the industry day to day has has a right, in my opinion, to put their hand up and try to make something better. So, yeah, don't don't be afraid to do that, but definitely couple it with like building that really good, solid foundation. Love that. Casey, yeah. what about you? What's your question? Uh, I want to know who inspires you on a on a daily basis. In general? Yeah, just in general. Man. I would say at this point, because life has gotten busy and there's so many things going on work-wise, personal, um, I honestly just get inspiration by looking at like my three and seven-year-olds that just have fun, like just live to, you know, a moment at a time. They, they don't they don't need advice like breathe, slow down, you know, <laughs> one thing at a time because it's not even applicable yet. That's just that's their natural, you know, outlook on life. And that's, that's a nice, that's a good reminder. And it, it kind of like pulls me back, you know, into why, you know, why I'm doing a lot of this stuff. Um, not to get too cheesy, but yeah, it's so easy. I, I get too caught up in the big picture sometimes and how all these different things are connected to others. And it's nice just to like get that weight off your shoulders and throw a ball or, you know, like, catch a worm or something like that. Yeah. No, I think Casey and I both can <laughs> side with you there. Um, obviously having little ones, Casey has a little one herself. Mine's going to be 13 soon, but, but now, I mean, I think that's a great thing to keep you going um, and why you're doing what you're doing, right? Building for your family. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. And, yeah, and otherwise, as far as mentors, there's been so many, I mean, both in the industry and out, that have inspired me or I've taken bits and pieces from. So it, for that side of it, it, it's really hard to narrow it down. Gotcha. Well, I feel like this time flew by today. Um, so, you know, as we're coming to the end of the show here, uh, Curtis, thanks so much for sharing your personal and professional journey with us and our listeners. And Casey, thank you for being a great co-host with me today. So for more information about Curtis, please visit him on LinkedIn at Curtis Garrett. He also has a website for understandltl.com. And stay tuned for the inspiring stories.